Do you want to learn how to engage as a solutions partner with Microsoft's America's organization, reaching over 6,000 enterprise customers in the America's business? Are you interested in learning from a 25-year Microsoft veteran how she organizes her team for success as a partner leader? Do you want to know the four principles you need to apply now to set up your organization for success in fiscal year 24? Then you've come to the right place. This is the ultimate guide to partnering, the top partnership podcast. In this podcast, Vince Minzione, a proven partner sales executive, shares his mission to help leaders like you achieve your greatest results through successful partnering. And now your host, Vince Minzione. Welcome to, or welcome back to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering. I'm Vince Menzion, your host. And today, I welcome Sarah Steiger, leads the America's Global SI and Advisory Partner Business for Microsoft. And Sarah and I have an engaging conversation on the America's partner business, the role of the ecosystem, and how partners of all types need to align for success with the incredible opportunities in store this fiscal year. I hope you enjoy and learn from this discussion as much as I enjoyed welcoming Sarah Steiger. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. It's been been a long time coming, but I'm really looking forward to this. I am so excited to finally welcome you as a guest on Ultimate Guide to Partnering. You lead the America's Global SI and Advisory Partner Business for Microsoft. And I'm so looking forward to our conversation today. Absolutely. The group that I'm with, we've had a lot of changes recently, and our new focus for this fiscal year is so exciting because we've actually come together as the Americas. And so that's a big change for us this year. And so for me, my team, I lead the top global SI partners, global and advisory across the Americas. And so what we do is we really focus on helping them innovate and realize value by adopting Microsoft solutions on behalf of their customers to help them transform their business. Our main focus is on uh, commercial accounts, mainly enterprise, but we also focus on state and local across the Americas. And our top enterprise accounts is about 6,000, I would say, across the region. So my team of of PDMs and I, we're dedicated, as I said, to the top global partners, working to help them focus around our core tenets of alignment, simplicity, and focus. And it's just been so exciting this year to see us come together as the Americas. We had Nina Harding on the podcast. This was just as Microsoft announced the changes and bringing together the Canadian business and the Latin American business under this America's umbrella. I was hoping you could double click a little bit more for our listeners on how your team is organized for success. So we have been learning so much about the different cultures, the different languages, and just the different ways of operating across the regions. And that's both within Microsoft and then also our partners. So in many cases, our partners might've been organized by North America, and we were only talking to them about their US business. And now that we're getting in under the covers, we can see that we've got much better alignment with the way we're organized and the way they're organized. It really is allowing us to be able to simplify the way that we engage with them, the conversations that we can have. We're also identifying a ton of best practices that we're seeing. So for instance, there's some best practices with one of our partners in financial services organizations in Peru and Brazil, and we're actually able to to bring that not just to the US, but also introduce it into Canada. And so 
really breaking down those barriers, we hope is going to unlock even a more greater productivity, both for us and our partners by being able to have common conversations. And a lot of our listeners don't understand the complexity of the hybrid model at Microsoft or the, this matrix model, if you will. Yeah. So as you look, if you're working with a very large scale SI or advisory partner, there are resources at the global organization, the global partner organization that support the build with and manage the growth of that partner. And then you localize it in many cases, but then you also have a group of partners that you manage individually in the America's business. Is that the way you're organized? So we think of worldwide as really being the enablers and the the help and support with the build with, and they also set the strategy. And then for us in the Americas, we we're considered the field. So we are focused around execution. So that's selling with, that's executing on the go-to-market strategy that we come up with at the beginning of the year. So we'll work uh, hand in hand with the worldwide team to create a global partner development plan at the beginning of the year. And I'm speaking on behalf of the the managed partners that we work with. And so for SIs, there's about 200 or so managed partners in the U.S., and there's probably about another 50 or so considered managed partners in Canada and LATAM that are just SI partners. And then similarly, there's a couple hundred ISV and then LSP distribution, telco, uh, service partners. So basically, the way we structure the GPS organization is by partner type so that we know how partners want to show up to their customers and we're enabling and going to market with them in, in that manner, right, in that fashion. So we find that that works best. So we have partner development managers that will engage in the managed partner space in typically a one-to-one to to a one-to-seven ratio for the managed partner set. And then we also have a team of technology specialists. So we'll have partner technical specialists, and we also have some CSAs, some cloud solution architects that can work with them in validating their technology solutions tied to our go-to-market offers around our cloud. And they really work to help make sure that they're getting to that last mile of the partner being able to execute with our customers. And they've got all the latest and greatest from Microsoft. I I think about the three buckets being the build with, right? So your team Mm -hmm. of PDMs are building with and the technology specialists come on board to help drive that function. You have go-to-market resources that you tap into across Heather Degen's organization that help Mm -hmm. to drive that go-to-market motion. And then you also talked about the sell with. So your team is also intimately involved in the sell with, bringing the partner into the various what Microsoft calls OUs or operating units. And those could be geographical. They could be vertically focused. Is that right? So we work across the U.S., our organizational units. And you're exactly right. They're they're split by geography or by vertical for some of the key verticals that we focus on. And then in uh, Canada and Latin America, they're more geographic focused, but within the geography, they'll have industry verticals. And so, yeah, the, the PDM's job is to understand the partner's sales organization and what are the key priority industries that they are focused on, as well as top customer names that they may be interested in, and then marrying that up with our sales force. And we know that we can be quite complex. There's a ton of of, of sellers that we've got across account execs, the STU, the, the, the CSU, all the different resources. And so our PDMs really help our partners navigate that, but really to try to drive that alignment and affinity because sell with is really the most important function that the PDMs are driving with the partners. Yeah. And I heard you talk about an, a number of what I'll call named accounts. Mm-hmm. So you're, you have a level of specificity that maybe didn't exist before, 
right? Because partner development managers were responsible for all things, but maybe not accountable for the revenue number. It sounds like you're double clicking on the revenue number now. We've definitely evolved, I would say, in recent years. And like I said, we were relying on worldwide and a lot of the partner self-service resources that exist and that are getting enhanced with machine learning and a variety of other things to to rely on them to do the build with side so that we can really focus on execution and on the sell with side. And so for sure, we've been coaching our PDMs in recent years to really put on the hat and think of themselves as the chief revenue officer of their partner. So what does the partner need to be successful? What are the partner's goals from a business perspective? And what can we do through Microsoft Solutions to enable that in order to make sure that they're going to see the best value, the highest revenue, the highest profit margin with Microsoft by doing the sell with execution plans that that we want to work with them on? Yeah, I love this focus. I think this is spot on, especially from the time when I was in role. We were all things to all organizations. And it was really tough to delineate the success of the program. So it seems like you've really nailed it in. Yep. So we've been, you mentioned a little bit about practices and building practices with these partners. It seems that both some of these large SIs and advisories and Microsoft have been leaning in on investments. I've heard the term AI factory used recently for one partner, but can we talk in, talk a little bit more deeply about this? Like, what are you seeing on your side and why the most recent investments? The why is the pace of change and transformation with cloud services is moving so quickly in the marketplace, especially now with generative AI and all the things that have come out in the last few months. And we need SI partners to help us really realize that value across the marketplace. So these partners are, are vital in helping our customers understand all these tech innovations and what can they do to transform their own own businesses. So what I'm seeing is partners are taking advantage of the Azure Migrate and Modernize investments. We have a new investment called Azure Innovate, especially for analytics and AI, where we're funding pre and post sales implementation assessments, proofs of concept. And these motions are happening incredibly quickly. And we also, especially in the the global SI space, we've signed several billion dollar plus commitments with them in Microsoft Cloud and AI to reshape professional services across business critical areas and use of AI solutions. So we know that that's the tip of the spear and we're we're developing these early access partnerships around 365 Copilot, OpenAI service and with Azure to pilot these technologies where these GSIs are doing it for themselves internally and bringing together the increased capabilities of these tools through their experiences and insights and then as well bringing them to the customers. So we're seeing them build and and deliver go-to-market solutions for our customers in the enterprise space that really are showcasing Microsoft technologies and helping to accelerate AI adoption. We're investing in our GSI partners, as you mentioned, with this strategy and their go-to-market plans. And then, like I said, making sure that we're aligning their sales force with our sales teams to accelerate sales and customer time to value. And, And one thing I should point out is and I know you know this and and many of your listeners probably, that our sellers are compensated based on consumption of our cloud technologies. So we're really relying on these partners to help us show the way with generative AI and then drive those implementations of customer transformations or we're not going to be successful. Azure is not going to be successful. I have been talking about these tectonic shifts we've all been seeing, right? We 
had discussion about the pandemic accelerating the transformation. Satya talked about seven years of transformation in seven months. We saw these economic headwinds over the last 18 months, and hopefully we're coming out of that time. But we've all been asked to do more with less. And now this decade of the ecosystem where customers are asking us to bring it all together. What roles do you see your partners playing here, bringing it all together for the customer? You talked about AI specifically. Does this create opportunities for more partners to partner with your partners, in fact, to bring a whole solution to a customer? Yeah, that's an excellent point. I definitely think that there's an opportunity for more of that partner to partner activity. And, and I'm hearing that from my partners as well. I mean, for me, you talk about tectonic shifts. The, the biggest shift that I'm seeing is the interest um, and activity that we're getting not just from the C-suite, but from the CEO and the board level executives. They're now aware that AI can empower them to achieve more, whether it's their internal operations or on behalf of their customers. And so, as you mentioned, the, the open AI service, for us, we're seeing that's been the fastest growing for in Azure history. We have over 10,000 customers that are using this service already. And wow. so we introduced the AI Cloud Partner Program to really invest in our partners to enable them to capitalize on all of this opportunity. The GSIs are amazing. They're big and they're bad, but they they can't scale to the demand that's out there. We see a, a over $600 billion total addressable market with these cloud services. And we're seeing our best partners get all the benefits of this cloud partner program that includes onboarding, skilling, incentives, as well as co-selling. And I think that that's true for everybody in the partner ecosystem, that this this is just a once in a generation opportunity yeah. that we need everybody, all hands, everybody rowing in the same direction in order to be able to take advantage of it. You pointed out something here. I don't think anybody recognized how quickly this was going to happen. I think a lot of people were caught off guard, right? Maybe, maybe a little flat-footed when it really took off the way it did in the November, December timeframe. What are you doing to help that scale you discussed? Like, how do you help these partners scale their businesses? And what is Microsoft doing alongside them to help scale? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the first thing we're doing, I think, is being as transparent as possible with making tools and, and, and use cases, et cetera, available. So there are several co-pilot solutions that I would encourage everybody to take a look at, GitHub co-pilot, security co-pilot, et cetera. Customers are already working with them. Partners should be too learn them, live them, apply them to your own business. And then you'll learn for opportunities for you to help customers unlock that value. We have a ton of partner resources that are on our AI for Transformation Partners website. And then also right now, from an enablement perspective, we're running a co-pilot bootcamp series of different enablement programs that are happening now. And we've also seen that when partners are taking advantage of these resources and are, are coming up to speed, they've had tremendous success in hosting in-person customer events around Gen AI, and they share specific use cases that, that are really making it real for these customers um, and talk about all of the other issues that are related to incorporating AI into your business environment, risk, compliance, security, privacy, operational, all of those things. Uh, I've actually got my uh, event later on today is, is with a top partner and, and our top enterprise accounts. So we're seeing momentum like I haven't seen since the late 90s in terms of people showing up for in-person events, hybrid events, like never before. It's been great. Yeah, I've been hearing the same sentiment, right? The C-suite is involved in a bigger way than ever before, it seems. Such an exciting time at Microsoft. 
So the things you mentioned earlier, the boot camps and the like, those are available to all partners, right? So some of those things we talked about are not just for the global SIs, but that's correct. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's so much that's available for everybody. Like I said, we we can't do it alone. So absolutely, we want to make it make as much available for everybody in the ecosystem to take advantage of. Yeah. I'm so excited to announce our continued partnership with AG1. Many of you know I made taking a green drink supplement part of my health ritual for over 21 years now, and it has made all the difference to my health and well-being. Over six years ago, I found Athletic Greens, and now their product, AG1, became my go-to supplement. AG1 is the first thing I take every morning to power my day. It covers all of my nutritional bases, supports my gut health, gives a boost to my immunity, and energy levels. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash Vince M. That's drinkag1.com forward slash Vince M. Check it out. Great. So Sarah, this is the ultimate guide to partnering. So I need to ask, I ask every guest this, what do you see from the best partners? What attributes do you believe leads to a successful engagement? Yeah, I think what I usually tend to coach partners on, the first thing is trust. Partners we know have deep relationships with their customers and deep understanding of their accounts. And oftentimes our sellers don't know that or don't fully appreciate that. And so the biggest thing, again, in co-selling is to make these connections, seller to seller, partner to Microsoft, and build trust and understand that we're not, we're not in it to compete with these partners. We want to be collaborating with you. We know on our side, the best partners I've seen know that our account execs have a very broad perspective on the customer, perhaps broader than what the partner has visibility into. And that the AE also is leveraging the STU, the CSU, other resources that in some cases can have five to 10 year relationships with these accounts. So they can be tremendously influential in helping that account select the best partner to engage with. So to me, I think it comes down to, you could call it trust, you can call it honesty, what have you. We need to be honest with each other around what are our objectives in, in a given customer. Oftentimes, back in when I was in my, my consulting days, we would do uh, an MOU, right? We would, we would start by saying, what do we want to get out of this relationship? What, what's our role? What's your role? And so you can be that formal if it's a huge deal and you need to do that. But I would just, I'd just sum it up by saying trust. I would say trust, that's one of the best things that I've seen. And then the other thing I would say is there's so many partners out there. It can be really difficult for our sellers to know what's the unique value that each partner provides and what differentiates your part, you as a partner. So I like to talk to partners about what's their superpower, right? Can you give specific examples of what you've done? Have a brand. What is your superpower? What are you known for? What do you want to be known for? And can you give specific examples of success in a like industry, et cetera, with customers in order to demonstrate your superpower? That really helps cut through the noise when you're trying to work with sellers. I've also seen many of our best partners have industry subject matter experts that can help explain the business impact to customers. 
that really resonates with us because oftentimes we don't have that deep industry expertise that we know our partners do. And then last thing I would say is when you're talking to our sellers, I've seen our best partners really bring insight. So I always coach them to say, if you're coming to a conversation, bring some information that we don't know about our customer, right? What can you tell us that we don't know that will help us lead to value and impact for that customer? And that's going to be the other thing that, that's going to make you remembered. And it's, it's going to make you sticky with the account teams. So golden nuggets here, right? First of all, trust. Without trust, we don't have partnership. It's a transaction. So I trust has to enter the room. And you talked about candid and open communications as part of trust, right? I like to say we need to have deliberate conversations, right? And it's okay to, but you have to put your cards on the table and explain like your, your point of view. A lot of partners hide back, kind of hold their cards close to the vest mm-hmm. and don't share as much. They don't trust as much of Microsoft. There's always that sense that Microsoft is going to take my account. You, you shared the reasons why that doesn't really happen the way Microsoft scales, but it also can help, help a partner out quite a bit. You talked about that brand, that superpower. I love the term superpower. I like to talk about the shiny quarter, like in the bucket of shiny quarters, like what makes you stand out differently? You also brought up the industry expertise and the the fact that Microsoft has been traditionally a horizontal company going across many different vertical industries and looks at its partner ecosystem to help drive that vertical specialization and then insights, right? So help me better understand my customer because- I think about an account executive as almost the quarterback with, of this large team of people that are assembling around the, the account in these very large enterprise accounts. Uh, they don't, may not have the same insights that a partner might have. And the customer might say things differently or maybe be a little bit more candid to the partner about their position with Microsoft than in front of Microsoft, right? I think that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. Some really great, uh, some really great examples here. I, I'm going to feature these in our show notes. So this was. Absolutely. Just uh, golden, Sarah. Really enjoyed that part. So what about the partners that don't get it right? What do you wish that you had said to them now if you could? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I would say, so I, I've been in the partner space for a bit. And I, I guess I would say that partners have to have a growth mindset, right? Microsoft, we adopt a growth mindset. Things are constantly changing and we're constantly changing. And so I think partners have to have a growth mindset in terms of thinking differently of how they sell with us. Selling has evolved so much over the years and especially now. And as you pointed out about the the quarterback, um, we are a team sale. And so I think collaboration is also super important in co-selling with us. There can be ample opportunity for miscommunication. So we need to make sure that, that we're agreeing up front and having that constant communication and collaboration. I think it's also important to keep the customer at the center right? Making sure that you're starting with what are their needs? How are we solving their problem? And that always can kind of bring you back if you kind of stray from that course. But being able to adapt as, as we change, right? We change every year. And so being able to, to recognize it for what it is and just have that growth mindset and just, just being thinking differently. I think that's the first thing. And then the second thing I would just reiterate again, that, that being honest, right? Knowing your objectives of what you want to get out of a pursuit and if you want to build long-lasting relationships, I've seen partnerships fail if you're not clear and upfront with your objectives of what you want to get out of a specific account or a specific deal. And we know it's a big playing field. So sometimes we're going to compete and sometimes partners are going to compete. Sometimes we know partners have their choice in hyperscalers. And so if we keep the relationship honest and straightforward, 
and we focus on the desired outcomes with the right expectations, I think that helps avoid misunderstandings and, and keeps us efficient so that we know when we're going to market together and we're not wasting time. And I think also it helps build, build trust over time. Yeah. I love what you have to say here. So again, golden nuggets in terms of what successful partners look like. I want to double click on mindset. I talk about growth mindset. I talk about how Satya changed the culture. I've had Dr. Michael Gervais on the podcast four times. He's coming back actually in a couple of weeks now. What do you think partners can do specifically around mindset that they maybe don't do today? And I'm kind of, I don't know if you have the answer for this, but I'm actually looking forward for our partners to understand. Yeah. I mean, I, I spend a lot of time thinking about people, thinking about my people and thinking about maybe some of the softer skills. And I think in the US, we we went through some pretty intense coaching by Brene Brown a couple yes. of years back. And we, we do a lot with Michael Gervais too. And for me, I take all of that stuff to heart. And so I, I think mindset really starts with what, as a partner, what are your corporate values? What do you believe in? What's true to you? And I would hope people is somewhere on that list, right? And if you value integrity, right? If you value success and winning, but not at all costs, right? And if you value people bringing people along with you, then I think that to me, those those are some of the foundations of culture. I know it, it is super challenging in this environment because the ability to manage change and manage through uncertain times is also a core skill that we all have to have these days. And I don't see it ever, ever swaying from that. And so I think, again, knowing that change is a people business, you can't evolve, you can't grow, you can't have a growth mindset if you don't get your people on board. And so that's why I always end up coming, everything comes back to people to me. And I feel like you have to just really keep that up front. We are so aligned here. I, we could go through my principles and we, we're, like, we're like talking through them actually. So when I talk about agility <laughs> and commitment and alignment and vision and value and all the rest, I just love what you have to say, Sarah, for our listeners today. I want to go back to the big announcements that inspire. It was just a little over a month ago, right? Maybe it'll be closer to two months by the time this airs. Yeah. But how can partners best align for success now that we're in Microsoft fiscal year 24? Yeah. So we did make some huge announcements. I would say my takeaway after having digested a lot of that is this is the year of Microsoft Marketplace. We're making tremendous investments. We're not alone. All the hyperscalers are doing this. It just makes good sense for the marketplace. No pun intended. It just makes good sense for the ecosystem. It makes great sense for the customer and it helps Microsoft scale, right? It will help us grow our business and it's just where we have to be now. And one of the things back to what you were suggesting before about perhaps partner to partner. So when I think about systems integrators, on the one hand, it's like, well, their their people are their IP. And so what's what's the play for marketplace? Because certainly in the ISV space, makes all the sense in the world to be to be plugging marketplace. I've been talking to SI partners and and really just scratching my head myself to figure out what's the what's the incentive, what's the value prop there. And we have new availability as part of these announcements of multi-party private offers that I think is 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 an angle in, right? I think on the one hand there can be the the work that that SIs may already be doing with large partners such as SAP, VMware, Adobe, and and also smaller ISVs in, in particular industries. So the, the area that I would explore 
if you don't think you have a traditional marketplace solution or you weren't all about IP co-sell before, is this new availability of multi-party private offers. Right today, it's only available in the US and Canada, but we're spreading soon to the UK and then hopefully LATAM and globally. And so having a transactable offer in marketplace really helps unlock the partner's co-sell benefits. So all partners, I would say, need to have a marketplace strategy whether it's for your own IP or more so exploring kind of this multi-private, multi-party private offer option. I would also say coming out of the announcements in the enterprise space, in the Americas, we have around 6,000 enterprise accounts. And so prioritizing your strengths, what industries accounts you, and accounts you focus on, what's your differentiated value? What we did this year in terms of our focus is we had 52 solution plays last year, my goodness. We uh, narrowed, simplified, focused down to 18. And I think that we're, that's helping custom, I'm sorry, that's helping partners align to the 18 key plays. And then the last thing that was an announcement coming out of that is all the investments we're making in the SMC customer segment, which is the next tier down of commercial below enterprise. We've got six solution areas that are infused with AI across all of this. And in SMC in particular, we're making $700 million globally of an incremental investment just in that customer space. So our what we call SMC is still a huge playing field. There's plenty of um, cloud native customers there. There's plenty of customers that other businesses would consider enterprise. So I would say, don't neglect looking at the SMC segment. Don't all be chasing after enterprise because that's a crowded field. And there's tons of benefit, tons of uh, business to be made in the SMC space. I think it's a, a field of diamonds, actually. I'm glad you brought this up. First of all, the marketplace piece, super important, multi-party offers, super important to drive that. I'll call the whole solution to the customer, right? It, it, helps, it helps the partner to partner. It, it objectifies the partner to partner activity, right? We take this solution, we add this professional services, we might add a third piece to it, and we make it available to a customer. You talked about SMC too, and I want to spotlight this because we are hosting an event. I put a little shameless plug for our event, but we're going to host an event in Dallas, November 14th and 15th with the SMC organization and with the Marketplace organization and GPS all coming together to support exactly what you're talking about here. So this is just... yeah. I could have, couldn't have paid you to say what you just did, but I, I'll, I'll wait. I'll be waiting for that check in the mail. Yeah, no, you're, make, you're absolutely right. SMC yeah. is, is on fire and, and that's going to be a, a tremendous event. Like I said, we're pouring so many investment dollars into that. We're getting really smart around how we go to market and how we automate our engagement model there. So yeah, that's going to be a, a really timely, well, well-timed and really effective event. I'm sure. Thank you, Sarah. I'm hoping to see you there. So we'll, we'll talk some more about this. So I would like to pivot. As you might know, I'm fascinated by the journey to success. And you have had several senior roles at Microsoft. I'm interested to know, was there like a spark or a pivot that set you off on this path to success? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I guess I, guess I would say two things. First, I consider myself a, a lifelong learner. I love to learn. I love to listen, listen to your podcast, listen to other podcasts, you know, read. I'm a, t- a huge reader. So I'd say I'm, I'm a lifelong learner. And, and at the core, I'm a seller, right? My, all, most of my career has been in sales. I spent a little bit of time in consulting delivery, but most of it's been in sales. And I would say pretty early on when I was at Microsoft, I reached a point where I realized that I needed to be more intentional about managing my career. And 
it became obvious to me that Microsoft is so dependent on the partner ecosystem. We can't survive without our partners. We put them first that I figured that'd be a good place to build my career. That's where we're going to invest. And also at the time, I, we were creating a new organization, which you will know, which was SMSMP, which is kind of like a combination of what's today Global Partner Solutions and SMC. So it was partners and customers in that, that customer segment. And I got tapped on the shoulder by someone to say, hey, help, let's go start this up. It's going to be a blank sheet of paper. We don't know what we're doing. Anyway, so I joined the first partner field organization. And I think that was the, the spark that really kind of set me on my path. And, and I've done a bunch of things. I've moved around within Microsoft, so on and so forth. And then two years ago, I guess, I'd still been working with partners, but I was doing it actually in our ISD organization, which is a whole other podcast. I was looking for a change and, and I did some reflecting. And I remembered that, that I think that job working with partners was really the most fun job that I had. And so I, I pursued a way to, to come back to the partner group and, and here I am. And I just love the challenge of, of aligning our goals with another company and watching that company, the, those partners succeed. And the satisfaction of working with partner leaders, like I said, is kind of wearing the hat of a chief revenue officer on behalf of them and helping to co-sell. I just find to be super satisfying and, and I learn something new every day. So it's been great. I, I love what you have to say here as a, as a partner leader who started off in direct sales as well. I've, and that path, you, you, you said it, it's, it's so much more fun working with partners and building business together. Right. I just, I love, I love what you have to say here. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a favorite question and I love asking this to almost all of my guests, but Sarah, you're hosting a dinner party and this dinner party could be anywhere in the world. We could talk about that as well. And you can invite any three guests from the present or the past to this amazing dinner party. Whom would you invite and why? Oh my goodness. So this is a fun one. And I spent a little bit of time thinking about it. I talked to my husband, I talked to my kids, and they all had very interesting dinner guests that they would invite to their parties. And I think if you ask me today, I think what one thing that kind of popped into my head is I had the privilege of going to the US Open earlier in the week. And I would say Billie Jean King would be the first one that I would invite because She's just such a force, just on and off the court, and such a role model, and has, has really changed the lives of so many people, changed the sport, got to pay equity, did all of these amazing things. So I think she would be real interesting just to, to hear her stories of, of all the things that she's gone through. And then second, I would say Oprah. Again, iconic. I think she's met everybody in the world. I think she's gone through all of her own personal journey and personal arc and now has reached a stage where she's all about giving back and she's such an influential force that I would love to talk to her about how she makes her choices of, of what she chooses to get involved with or not not get involved with. And then I feel like I'd have to round it out. So I have an athlete, I have somebody in media. I think I would go with a musician next. And unfortunately he's no longer with us, but I think I would add David Bowie to that list oh, wow. because again, iconic, an artist not just a, a musician or a rock star or whatever you want to call him, but kind of that en enigmatic personality. And I think he would have a really interesting perspective. So I don't know what the dinner party would like be like if you throw them all together in a room, be a little eclectic. But anyway, that's my list. Well, I might bring dessert. Is that okay? Because I would love to meet with all three of them. I mean, that dessert is always incredible. welcome in our house. Yes, right. please. I would normally bring drinks, but I think dessert might be more appropriate here. But we're a tennis family as well. So I love watching the open this time of year. It's yeah. 
great yeah. event. And Oprah is extraordinary. And uh, I'm a big Bowie fan as well. So I, I, I would love uh, meeting David. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So Sarah, you've been an amazing guest. I just so enjoyed having you here today. Any closing words for our partners on how they can optimize for success this year? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you again um, for having me. It's It's been an honor and a lot of fun. I would say, I guess I would just summarize by saying you know, Microsoft is a partner first organization. And in these days, partners have never been more vital to our success. So we sometimes might not always be the easiest to navigate or the easiest to work with, uh, which is why I appreciate you, Vince, in this podcast, because I think you've chosen to take this step in your career and really help guide all of our partners and how best to work with us. And so that's a tremendous service for us. So thank you for that. And then lastly, I would just say again, to any partner out there, focus on your superpower, right? We can't be all things to all people. Just be clear and laser focused on driving what your superpower is as your brand message when you're looking to team with Microsoft and when you're looking to engage with customers. I love that. Focus on your superpower. Sarah, thank you so much for spending time with us today and your very busy schedule as Microsoft kicks up its fiscal year 24. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. I so enjoyed having Sarah Steiger as a guest on Ultimate Guide to Partnering. If you're a partner working with Microsoft, I hope you learn from this discussion as much as I did. And chances are you want to learn even more, which is why I'm hosting my first live event in Dallas, Texas, November 13th through the 15th. Come to our website, ultimateguidetopartnering.com or theultimatepartner.com and learn more. I hope to see you in Dallas, November 13th through the 15th. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Ultimate Guide to Partnering with your host, Vince Minzione. Online at ultimateguidetopartnering.com and facebook.com slash ultimateguidetopartnering. We'll catch you next time on The Ultimate Guide to Partnering.